And we're so glad you're here. Pastor Israel going to come up. He has part two of Love Handles Part Two. He just celebrated his 29th birthday. Can you help me celebrate? And welcome Pastor Israel. Thank you. Thank you. I, I feel 29, but, or let me say, I, I look 29, but I feel 59. Ugh. Amen. Can we, give a, can we give the Lord a stretch this morning? <laughs> Uh, we're so glad that you are in here this morning. So let's just pray and then we'll get into the word. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be here in your house, Lord. Uh, Lord, we just ask that you would uh, continue just to be here in the middle of, of this meeting, Lord. Thank you for your sweet presence that's already in the house. I pray that you would prepare our hearts if they're not already, Lord, to receive your word. We thank you for all that you're going to do. Thank you for all that you're doing even now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Before you take your seat, sorry, would you go with me to the book of Genesis? We're going to read a few verses there, Genesis chapter 1. You know, if somebody needs help finding Genesis, would you be so kind and help them? Genesis chapter 1. And it's not page 1 because that's the, uh, probably an empty page or something like that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. And then we're going to skip to Genesis chapter 7. So we're going to go through a little bit of traffic, but you'll get there to Genesis chapter 7. So Genesis chapter, 30, um, chapter 1, rather, verse 31, it reads like this. We're just going to read one verse there. It says, God saw all that he made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. All right, let's move over to Genesis chapter 7. We're going to be reading verse 6 and 7. So Genesis chapter 7, I hear those crisp uh, Bible pages turning, and it's, that's always a good sign, good sound too. Verse 6 says, Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So, Verse 7, so Noah with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. All right, you may be seated this morning. And as Pastor was saying, uh, we are in week two of our current sermon, sermon series entitled Love Handles Part 2. It's a continuation of last year, and so um, that's, probably, that's why you have a part two. It's, it's, it's week two of part two. And so we just want to say welcome home, all right, and welcome to week two. Uh, and I know that there are some messages that you just have to go back, uh, back and listen to a second time, and sometimes maybe even a third time. Uh, and so for me personally, that was, uh, that was the occasion uh, or the scenario for, from la for last week's message. Uh, that was one of those for me where I had to go back and listen to it. And here's the thing. The benefits of listening to it again is that you catch some things, right? You catch some things that you didn't catch the first time or maybe even the second time. Uh, so I don't know if you caught all the, jour the journey that we, we went on last week, but like the smooth transitions, and, and you can literally see the journey Pastor took us from when he talked about, uh, well, I'm not going to ruin it for you. You should just go back and listen to it again. And that's just a shameless plug that the church does. Uh, the messages are available in podcast form and also on the YouTube channel. And so listen, these are great tools for evangelism because sometimes we may not know how to uh, tell, invite someone to church or, or try to explain to them what type of church we are because they'll ask, well, what kind of church is it? And we're like, it's a church with a building, has four walls, 
you know, and so you kind of like, well, how much do you want to know? And so sometimes it's like, hey, these are great opportunities. Look, here's the podcast. Here's the link to the YouTube. You look, look at it and you draw, you, you listen to it and you draw your own conclusions. Uh, and so just maybe that will help somebody or maybe that will be an easier way for you to, to uh, evangelize to someone. But today... Uh, so, like, uh, I'll just give you a little bit of preview. So, Pastor was talking about the names that the high priest would enter, the, the, the high priest would enter where they had names, and then he switched over to the names of the three Hebrew boys. It was a, a smooth transition. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. So, you catch some of those things. So, that's just, you know, go listen to it again. All right. So, today, today we have a message to share. I'm pretty excited about it and honored to share it with you all. And so, our topic this morning is He Loves Me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And I know it may feel like those two scriptures uh, that we read are so random and have no connection between the two. But there is a connection and, and we want to make. So just bear with us uh, and enjoy the ride this morning. Uh, but, but before we go on, there was a group of four to eight-year-olds that were asked, what does love mean? And so here are some of their answers. So Rebecca, age eight, said, when my grandmother got arthritis... She couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore, so my grandfather does it for her all the time. Even when his hands got arthritis too, that's love. And everybody say, aw. Billy at age four said, love is when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You know that your name is safe in their mouth. Oh, man, that's deep. Oh, there we go. Carl at age five said, who names her child Carl? Carl at age five said, love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. (laughs) Chrissy at age six said, love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. Terry at age four said, love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Danny at age seven said, love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. Some of y'all better take notes. Emily, age eight, said, love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. (laughs) Bobby at age seven says, or Robert, maybe it was Robert. I don't know. Bobby at age seven says, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. All right. So how many of you actually did the whole he loves me, he loves me thing with the, with the rose petal? Just blink at me. You may not want to raise your hand. Just blink at me. I can't see, so I'm going to assume everybody. Okay. Oh, oh, what about that game MASH? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> anybody brave enough to raise their hand and say, yeah, I played MASH. Did you? Yeah, okay. All right. All right. We got some truthful people. The rest of you need Jesus. And you're in the right place. Uh, there were, those were some crazy times, though, right? Mash, that was crazy. And so, or, or maybe during Valentine's Day, right, at school, you, you'd give the person you had a crush on an extra Valentine's card, right? Or the one that had the L word on it. Not loser, the other one. The other one. The love word. And so I'm aware that today is Super Bowl Sunday, and maybe there's a lot going on for you today. And so I want to honor your time today. 
And we also want to make sure that, and acknowledge that we are in God's house, okay? And I will do my best to serve you well, and at the same time be obedient to what the Lord wants to do today. So, the first verse we read was the ending of the sixth day of creation, which was also the day that humanity was created. Adam, Adam was created. And to that and everything else created on that sixth day, God said, very good. It was very good. He loves me. And then in Genesis chapter 7, just six chapters later, in Genesis chapter 7, we read the account of when the flood started. You know, the flood that was sent to destroy every living thing, including humanity, except, of course, Noah and his family, and two of every living creature. He loves me not. I think this was the first time ever in the history uh, that the term, well, that escalated quickly, was used. Chapter 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 31, it was very good. Genesis chapter 7, verse 6, the flood begins. Okay, Genesis chapter 1, he loves me. Genesis chapter 7, he loves me not. And isn't it thought-provoking that we can gather all of our experiences up until today and we can assign them to those two statements. He loves me and he loves me not. And depending on what kind of experience it was for you, you perhaps felt one of those statements while going through that experience. Are you with me this morning? The humanity in us because of the feelings it cost us and the emotions that resulted because of those feelings, we either felt loved by God or we didn't feel loved by God in those moments. And if we look at the Bible and the stories in the Bible through that same lens, we can assign moments in people's lives where we think, oh, in that moment, yeah, God loved him. But in this moment, yeah, no, no, not so much. Oh, in this moment, God was definitely loving her. And in this moment, yeah, nope, not so much. I don't know what she did, but he doesn't love her as much in this moment of her life. But that could not be any more further than the truth, okay? Because love is not performance-based. Love is not performance-based. In other words, you cannot be good enough as to earn his love. Love is not defined by feelings and emotions. Love is an absolute truth. Love is an absolute truth, meaning there is no wavering in it. There are no special requirements or conditions attached to it. The truth stands alone. First John, First John uh, chapter 4, verse eight, 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A few verses down, verse 14, same chapter, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God is love. God is love. Love is truth. Love is absolute truth. Jesus is the expression of God's love to humanity. Jesus is the expression of God's love to humanity. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Is the mentality of someone that has yet to encounter truth, absolute truth. That is why last week's message is crucial for us to understand because when we can get our hearts right, everything else will function properly. That includes the lens in which we see life through. The heart not only pumps the blood to the rest of the body literally, but it serves as a regulator to blood pressure. 
So I'll say it this way. A healthy heart keeps things in a holy perspective. A healthy heart, a regulated heart, keeps things in a holy perspective. He loves me. He loves me not. That even in those moments where we feel he loves me, he loves me not, is actually he loves me. He loves me so. He loves me. He loves me so. And I think of how ironic it is that the man that speaks about love in the New Testament a lot more than some other ones, aside from Jesus, of course, is the Apostle Paul. Okay? Apostle Paul? Are you serious? Paul, who used to be Saul. Saul, who led the persecution on anyone who was a professing Christian. Saul, who was full of hate and whom people were afraid of and who lived accusing people of doing wrong. Saul had haters everywhere he went. He was that kind of dude. He was a Karen before there was even a Karen. (laughs) If you know, you know. And now, Paul... You want to come here and talk about L-O-V-E? You serious? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Paul, you serious? You're saying this? It's not easily angered. Paul, you serious? You're the one saying this? It keeps no record of wrong. Paul, are you serious? Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts always hopes and always perseveres. Paul? Saul. Are you serious right now? Are you serious right now, right now? See, the one person that embodied the word hatred is now over here teaching us about L-O-V-E. That kind of transformation would only make sense if he encountered truth. In such a way that his heart was changed and it gave him a holy perspective. It's not he loves me, he loves me not. It's he loves me, he loves me so. And here's what I don't want you to miss from Paul's transformation though. Paul finally saw. Saw, you know, Paul used to be saw. Paul finally saw. Okay, okay. Paul... Paul finally saw himself the way God saw him. (laughs) And he was able to walk in that truth, even though everyone else saw him as Saul. Okay, think of the story of the three Hebrew boys that that were mentioned last week. But the verse that stands out to me and that I always go back to is Daniel chapter 3, verse 18. But... Even if he does not. We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. But even if he does not. That is standing on absolute truth. It's not wavering and it's not performance-based and it's not attached to feelings and emotions. It's not only their faith, but it's also their love. The love that they have in their God that when the rest of the multitude are already bowing down, these young men choose to stand and say, even if, 
even if. See, to them it wasn't he loves me, he loves me not. It was he loves me, he loves me so. See, I have to ask you today if we, you and I, have gone to that place, that level, if you will, that type of relationship with the creator of the universe that we can say even if, even if. See, what were the moments in your life where you thought God didn't love you? What were the moments in your life where you asked God for something and it never came to pass? What were the prayers that were prayed that you felt were ignored by God? And if you're honest, it made you mad and you left feeling disappointment, disappointed. I would love to tell you that this walk with Jesus is full of sunshine and rainbows, but it's not. It's not. See, our faith doesn't exempt us from the trials and the tribulations of life. It's actually exercised. And that's not a bad word for some of us. It's actually exercise in the middle of them. I know we would like to think that faith is this this never expiring hall pass that excludes us from all the calamity and chaos and all the death and destruction. But the truth is, is that the Bible speaks of suffering. Oh, woohoo. And even better is that when it talks about suffering, he's talking about us as believers, the followers of Jesus. So woohoo! That suffering is actually part of the journey. And Paul, who used to be Saul, Paul, takes this moment and puts pen to paper and gives us this never expiring promise. Romans 8, verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I'll read it again. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall shall be revealed in us. Our faith does not exempt us. Our faith is exercised in the struggles. So I want to get to that level of even if, even if healing doesn't come, he loves me. Even if God says no, he loves me. Even if I'm still in the waiting, he loves me. Even if the fire's turned up seven times hotter than normal, he loves me. Even if my faith has been shaken and maybe even shattered at times, he loves me. And one of the details that stands out to me is that moment God steps into the furnace with him, whatever had them bound was undone immediately. So that when the king looks again and he sees the three boys untied, unbound, loose, and walking around, the fire that was meant to consume them, God used to free them. (laughs) What was meant to destroy them actually delivered them. That's my God. The fire that was meant to consume them, God used to free them. What was meant to destroy them actually delivered them. And I wonder what the enemy has placed in your life, hoping to disconnect you from the source, hoping to bring disappointment to your life, hoping to shake your faith in such a way that doubt creeps in and it begins to whisper, he doesn't love you like you think he does. Hoping that fire would consume you and destroy you but because we have encountered truth absolute truth 
What was meant to consume you, God will use to free you. What was meant to destroy you will actually deliver you. It it is not if things are well, I am loved. It, It is not if I got the promotion, I am loved. It is not if my team wins the Super Bowl, I am loved. It's not if the kids are acting right, I am loved. And it's not even if my income tax return is more than I expected, I am loved. It's not based on any of those conditions or any condition for that matter because absolute truth stands alone. Absolute truth stands alone. And the absolute truth is this for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Here we go. Wow. We were still sinners. Christ died for us. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves me. He loves me so. He loves you. He loves you so. See, our opening scriptures give us two completely different scenarios. But the one thing that I did not point out in the beginning is that even though the flood was meant to destroy every living thing, God kept a remnant. In this case, it was a family so that he could continue the relationship with mankind. It could have been easy for him to wipe everything and everyone and start again. But he chose not to. He kept a remnant safe from the flood, from death, from the stench of waste, from the results of sin. He did it because he loves us. He loves us so. And not only did he do that for Noah and his family, but we see that he also did it for the people of Israel. Time and time and time again. He kept a remnant safe so that the love story that began in the garden would end in a garden. He loves us. He loves us so. As I come to a close this morning, you know what it's like to have those moments where you wonder if God loves you the way the preacher says he does, right? You know what it's like to have those moments of he loves uh, me He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And I get it. I really do. I'm human just like you. And one thing I can tell you is that by the grace of God, we have been able to say, even if not. Maybe it's the upbringing we had. Maybe it's the growing up in church. Maybe it's the experiences we have faced. Maybe it's, it's being surrounded by the right people in each season of our lives. Or maybe it's a combination of all the above. And even though we can say, even if not, it doesn't mean that we have figured the mysteries of life out. No, it doesn't mean that we are numb to tragedies and the pain around us either. I think it means that just because at times when good things don't happen to you, his doesn't mean his love for you is in jeopardy. 
It's not he, he loves me, he loves me not. It's actually he loves me, he loves me so. See, the whole time we find ourselves plucking out the petals of the rose saying, he loves me, he loves me not. We failed to realize that God's love wasn't in the petals. His love is actually the stem that holds the rose petals. And it holds the thorns. Sometimes we get to enjoy the rose petals and sometimes we get to endure the thorns. But whether it's the rose petals or the thorns, we get to hold on to the stem that is Christ Jesus. He loves me. He loves me so. He loves you. He loves you so. And these past 365 days, we have endured the thorns just like many of you have, holding on to that stem, wondering when we will get to enjoy the rose petals. When will the flood end, Lord, and when will the, when will the rainbow appear? Genesis chapter 9, verse 28 says, And Noah lived after the flood. Did you see that? After the flood. Your attention, please. There is an after that awaits you. Whatever flood you are experiencing right now, there is an after that awaits you. And Noah lived after the flood. It's not he loves me, he loves me not. It's he loves me, he loves me so. And almost to the day we stood up here and we shared with you all what we had gone through with the miscarriage. It's been a year, crazy. It's been a year. And to get to that even if not type of faith and love, it has come at a cost. And just like you, I have found myself thinking, he loves me, he loves me not. And the first thing that kept coming to my mind was, what did I do wrong, God? Isn't that what we do? Like, what did I do wrong, God? Where did I fail you? Where did I come up short that you would allow this to happen to us? And this was my thinking, we, we lost our baby, so he loves me not. And then we got to experience the love and support from all of you, all the words of encouragement and prayers. And I couldn't help but think, oh, no, no, no. He, he loves me. He loves us. He loves us. And even though we knew God loved us through it all, it still didn't take away the pain. Because we prayed that God would work a miracle and it didn't happen. And some of you know what that's like. And needless to say, these past 365 days have been challenging and rewarding all at the same time. All at the same time. And through the months, I kept seeing things that were speaking to me and teaching me things about God's love for us. And if I told you all the details, you would think I'm crazy. 
you would. And that's okay because I think I'm crazy already, so we're good. <laughs> but I have found myself saying this phrase a lot lately. God is so kind. God is so kind. And I think, I think I'm still trying to learn what that, that means exactly. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm, a, I'm good for the journey, God. And this church has been our, this church has been our ark, if you will. This church, this family has been our ark, if you will, that has kept us afloat from the flood of our lost last year. And I was thinking about what Pastor John had said from the beginning of the year, that God would do more in 2024. You were right. And not only was God telling me, Israel, I don't need you to just clear the shelves. I need you to clear a whole room because the flood has ended and your rainbow baby is on the way. God of the rose petals and the thorns. He's the stem that you can hold on to at all times. And so last year I shared a text message that I had sent my wife. But today I want to share a text message that she sent me and I saved it. I said one of these days I will, I will share this after she found out that there was a miracle in the making, she texts me the next day. There's a reason why God is allowing us to relive this moment again. I'm not going to let fear get to me. The joy and excitement I felt last year, this time around, is much greater for everything we went through earlier this year. I'm going to live my days full of joy and let God work his miracle. Ah. So to you that feel like you're enduring the thorns and waiting to enjoy the rose petals, I speak this into your life. Live your days full of joy and let God work his miracle in you. It's not he loves me, he loves me not. It's he loves me, he loves me so. Through the rose petals and the thorns, God, I hold on. Would you bow your heads where you're at? Lord, we thank you.
we thank you, God. I thank you. For whatever reason, Lord, you chose us for this story. We thank you. Thank you for the thorns that we had to endure. But now we get to enjoy the rose petals. But more than just sharing our story, our testimony, Lord, I want to encourage those that are still, Lord, enduring the thorns. And I'm not, I'm not naive enough to, to think that everything is going to work out for everyone. I wish it would. I wish it would. I wish, I wish their stories would end just like ours. But sometimes that's not the case. But God, I pray that they would know that this family, this church family is their ark. And while they're enduring the flood that's around them, Lord, that they would know that they have an ark, a community, Lord, that will help them stay afloat during the flood. Because eventually there is an after the flood, Noah lived. After the flood, you will live. Everything that you need to stay afloat is found in his house. I pray, God, that they would receive that. And I thank you for the healing, God. Thank you for the prayers of your family, Lord, towards us. That there's a miracle in the making as we speak now. Thank you for your sweet presence, the healing in this house. And I pray that you would encourage their faith, God, that if you could do it for us, Lord, you can do it for them. You can. Oh, the things that God can do in one year. He'll redeem the loss. He'll redeem the pain. Whatever it is that you're going through, he'll redeem it. I don't have all the answers. I just know I gotta, gotta hold on to the stem. That's it. Lord, and as a father, I thank you. Thank you for healing wounds. Pray for those, Lord, that are still in their flood. God, that this would encourage them. That they, this church cried with us. And we needed them. And now, because you are so kind, we get to celebrate together. Together. And so I pray a blessing over my church family that you would hear every prayer, that you would see every tear. God, that they would know that you, they are loved by you. No matter the condition that they are in, that they would feel they are loved by you. I pray that they would see the good days ahead. I pray that they would experience the after in their life. God, I want them for them. That the blessings you have sprinkled on us would sprinkle onto them as well. 
church. May the may his favor lead you. His grace sustain you and his mercy follow. We love our church family. I love my church family. Thank you. Thank you. stand with me this morning it's a good day appreciate it thank you so I don't know what's on your heart but I just wanted to stop by and just Infuse a little bit of faith in you, encouragement in you, that he's still a miracle maker. And he still works wonders. He's the God of the impossible. And so if there's still a prayer that you're waiting to be answered, or there's something that you're still waiting, you're still in the waiting for God to do something. Would you take that step of faith this morning and just make your way to the altar this morning? It could be anything. The salvation of a loved one, a healing for somebody in your family. Maybe you're trying to get a house and you're like, God, I don't know if we're going to get approved. It can be anything. God is here. God is in this place. And I just feel like there's a, uh, a cloud of healing, <laughs> if I can describe it that way this morning. I know the season of rose pe- uh, thorns have been, has been difficult. It's caused you a lot of pain, a lot of loss, misunderstanding. But I just want to encourage you to hold on to that stem at all times. At all times. And so for those that are standing where you're at, would you just extend your hands this way to the people that are in the front that are waiting on God to do something, waiting for an answer, waiting for a breakthrough. And Lord, this morning we come before you, God. Lord, you know all things, all things, great and small. You know what our heart really desires. You know what we've been praying for. You know what we've been fasting for. You know what we've lost sleep over. You know the investments we've made, Lord, to make certain things possible. And we're still here waiting. And we're just in, find ourselves in an ark during the flood. And we're wondering, when, when will this flood in my life end? When will I be able to enjoy life again without the pain, without the residue of hurt, of shame. So Lord, this morning I pray, God, 
that only in the way that you can, Lord, that you would restore some hearts, that you would heal some emotional wounds, some spiritual wounds, God, wounds, God and spiritual wounds. I pray, Lord, that they would not get, grow tired in well-doing. Lord, I pray that you would give them the strength, Lord, to continue to hold on to that stem. To continue to hold on to that stem, Lord, with the rose petals and the thorns. I pray, God, that you would allow them to see their after moment, their after season in their life. Lord, that you would, just as you did to us, that you would drop, Lord, little little snippets, God, of promises in their lives. God, that they would know that you are hearing everything that they are praying about. Lord, that you, you know everything that is happening in their lives. I pray that they would just feel encouraged this morning. That's all I want. I just want to encourage you. I just want to build your faith through our journey, through our story. That you would feel encouraged. That we are with you in the trenches, that we are with you when you get the, the good news and the promotions and all that good stuff, but we're also with you. When you lost a job, when your loved one walked away and didn't bother to say goodbye, when the kids leave your house, you don't know where they went, where health is all of a sudden declining and out of nowhere, now you're, you're sick and you have this and you have that. It just Everything changed from one day to the next. Lord, I pray that they would know that we are here with them. We will embrace them. We will love on them. We will pray for them and we will pray with them. And so, Lord, now I ask God that you would release a healing over your people. A healing, a divine healing over your people. Lord, we love you. Lord, and we get to enjoy this after together, all of us. All of us here today. Because you are so kind. He loves you. He loves you so. He loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you. He loves you so. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing in this house. We praise you.